Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 153, Whole Lot of Mail, recorded July 20th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and with me, as always, are your stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the Command Light Godfather, and Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hey, guys. Hello, Mark, and greeting to the faithful element opiates near and far. Near? Goody. Far. Wait, you guys, you guys went in the reverse order. My mind is blown. Chris always goes first. And I know, goes, and I'm. I don't. I you've broke the show. I don't know that I can continue. <laughs> uh, right is now left, and left is now right. Okay, Mark, I, I will. I'll let you pick up. Near. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am getting nearer. I am getting farther. And uh, the show is officially broken our already. Rover. Uh, we, we, the drummer in my band in high school, one of the, one of the many, like all bands, we had 73 drummers, uh, but one of them, we called him Grover because A, he looked like Grover and B, he sounded like Grover. And when he would get up on the microphone and go near far, it was, it was, it was gut bustingly funny. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, today is my daughter's birthday. Just thought I'd throw that, throw that out there. Happy 10th birthday, Amelia. It seems like just yesterday you were not. Nice. Ba-dum-ba. <laughs> I did that joke earlier today, and she didn't get it. <laughs> All right. Or maybe she got it and just chose not to comment. It could go either way, because let's face <laughs> yeah. it, it's not a very funny joke. Um, that, well, it is for you us. Know, it's one of those, it's, the timing's got to be right. So, yeah. And it can be funny. Like the day of her birthday. That's really the only time the timing is right. Right. Uh, I've been sitting on that for a year. Um, <laughs> so I, I wanted to uh, mention, I t- said last week that I was working with, uh, with Audible, uh, and there's, there's a couple of ways you can advertise with Audible or Audible can advertise with you. One of them is the, you know, they can actually pay you for an ad. They do that with some people. Another one is the basic affiliate link. Same, same deal we have with Amazon. They're an Amazon company. They're the same company. Um, uh, and that's the one we we're going with right now. It's because frankly, they don't think that we're anything of consequence, and I don't blame them. Uh, but a basic uh, affiliate link I wanted to mention, because I'm big on Audible, and I'm going to mention it from time to time, and I thought, as long as I'm going, as, as long as I'm mentioning it so often, we might as well have some way to make money off of me mentioning it. So uh, you if you go to elementop.com slash Audible, you can sign up for your uh, free trial, and it really bothers me when I hear podcasters say, now for our listeners of our show, you can get a free month. They give everybody a free month. This is not a, a special deal. So I'm not going to lie to you and say that just for listeners of Element OP Productions shows, no, it's uh, everybody gets the same deal. Uh, but you sign up, uh, you get a free month, um, a free book, and it's a free month subscription. And uh, you, if you don't cancel, they bill you the rate of the... Uh, of the regular month. I think it's $15 a month. I don't even know. It's one of those things where I'm happy for them to just take my money. So I honestly don't remember how much it is. Uh, but it's, <laughs> and it's, don't they say that if you cancel, the book is yours to keep? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You cancel at any time uh, within the first month. It won't cost you a penny. So you sign up, you download your book, you cancel. They're totally okay with that. Um, uh, but the thing is, like we say about Linux Academy, they can do that because they know once you get in, you're not going to cancel. Because um, Audible is you know they're amazing at what they do 
Uh, so let me just talk a little bit about uh, elementopi.com slash uh, audible. You go there, you sign up. The moment you sign up, I get a check or I get a credit in my account. So you sign up, you cancel. They don't take the money back away if you cancel. So I officially don't care if you sign up just to get the free book and cancel. But here's the thing. You're not going to because Audible is it's really good. I, I've I've been I got hooked on that. You're a podcast listener. So obviously you're into that kind of thing. And in fact, I, I uh, uh, just recently, I think it may be even in the show notes. Somebody said, you know, I've listened to your shows. Now, how am I going to fill the rest of the my commute? Audible.com is how you're going to fill the rest of your commute. Uh, they're not just reading a book. They're performing the book. Uh, and it's, it's really, and one of the things I like about Audible is they have a no questions ask. If you don't like the book, return it. Um, I hit a limit this week. If you do two books in six months, they won't let you return it online. You got to call them. They still didn't even ask me any questions. I, I don't really know what the deal was, but I've returned, I've been a, an Audible subscriber now for over a year and I've returned three books, two of them just cause I didn't like the book and one of them cause I didn't like the reader. Uh, and that was the case on this one. It was an okay book that it would have been I would have been okay with. It was an interesting enough book, but the reader was really bad. That is so uh, rare. The reader is almost always amazing. So I, I'm I'm only pointing that out to show you uh, to tell you how what an anomaly that is. Um, usually the narrators are just or the the performers. They're not narrators. The performers are really good at what they do, and they make the book come alive. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Elementopi.com/slash/audible. Uh, if you want to check them out, I highly recommend it. If you're going to do it anyway, please do it through our link. Same thing I say about Amazon. If you're shopping on Amazon anyway, please do it through elementopi.com slash Amazon. No difference to you. We make a few bucks. So get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> I just want to say thanks to Kevin. Um, and I can't I can't link this because it was all private posts on Google Plus, and I'm not going to reshare private, uh, private posts. But he... Um, was sort of a, a meme detector for the Steven Spielberg kills things meme, you know, with the whole um, uh, Triceratops, whatever. Uh, particular, I believe it's German uh, guy, has just gone nuts with that and just been Photoshopping amazing Steven Spielberg kills things stuff. So go to Google Plus, search Google uh, Spielberg kills things, and laugh. Uh, he, he apparently killed Chuck Norris. Um, wow. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, uh, you guys know about the, uh, the giant, uh, parrot that has been erect, erected in, in London? No? no? No. So in, in the honor of the 50th anniversary of the dead parrot sketch, this giant 50 foot long parrot laying on its back has been, has been erected, uh, in uh, some park in England. And Steven Spielberg apparently killed the dead parrot as well. Uh, nice. So. <laughs> Oh, he killed all the red shirts. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a Star Trek one, all the red shirts laying around dead, and and that same pose with Spielberg grinning. He killed the red shirts. Spielberg kills things. Thank you so much. It's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Awesome stuff. And, the unicorn. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like the unicorn one. That one's pretty good. And the the big dog thing from NeverEnding Story, is he killed that too. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> so Seth, our official Linux ambassador to LinuxCon, our, our gooey kid ambassador to, to LinuxCon, that's coming up soon. Yes. August the 20th through 22nd is LinuxCon. 
and um, I got my hotel reserved. I actually saved a little bit of money because, you know, I'm cheap by not staying at the host hotel. And I'm going to be getting my exercise in because it's like three quarters of a mile away. So I'm going to be walking <laughs> back and forth. And um, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm spending a thousand dollars to spend to stay at a hotel for a week. If I could go back wow. in time and tell myself I was doing that, I don't know what I would do. So uh, if any of you guys want to help offset uh, Seth's expenses, he would never ask, so I'm going to ask for him. Uh, you can make a tip jar donation and in the notes put Seth's trip, and I'll make sure he gets that money. I would appreciate that. Uh, one of our listeners gave uh, is giving me airline tickets. So, um, you know, it's like the uh, friend's of of southwest so i'll be flying like on standby so i'm hoping i can make it up there in a day that that's my goal (laughs) (laughs) if i can leave dallas in the morning and arrive at chicago in time to get some sleep for tuesday i will be happy sweet yeah what airline are you flying on uh it'll be southwest okay so you won't have to come through atlanta you fly on delta no matter where you go you end up in atlanta yeah, I, I'm thinking about since I'll be doing standby. I'm thinking about maybe FedExing my instead of checking the, trying to check a bag, just FedEx it to the hotel. It's uh, not about it, you know. Yeah. yeah, it costs you about the same because they charge you fifty bucks for a bag these days. Yeah, and you know, and especially if I send it like a day or two early. Um, yeah, I right. think it'd be that would be one definitely way to get there. And uh, Alman Opie is taking over the Spiceworks community. Chris was there, and now Seth is going to be there. Yeah, uh, I responded to a link they had, or you know, occasionally. Well, I signed up and said, "Hey, I want to help promote Spiceworks." So occasionally they send out these emails saying, "Do you use whatever product?" And it happened to be for Box.com. I said, "Yeah," and so they called me and I told them a little bit about why I use it. And they're actually they will reimburse me mileage to drive down to Austin, and then they will put me up in the uh, gloriously they spare no expense La Quinta, and uh, <laughs> so. I'm actually, I'm taking a day and a half off of work. I figure, you know, if it's the end of July and I haven't used any of my vacation time yet, maybe I should use a day and a half to go down to Austin for, to be on Spiceworks. Oh, cool. There you go. That sounds like fun. Yeah. I think it'll be kind of cool. That's almost better than what I did. That's really cool. Yeah. I was totally expecting them to say, okay, you know, we'll be doing this hangout thing, but instead not they're They're hooking me up. Right. So I kind of sweet. See, I'm it's because cool. of it's because of the the everyday Linux fame. They they that, said, yeah, "Oh, that guy, that star. We need to get him here in in person." Yeah, they asked, you know, <laughs> "Hey, what's your SpiceWorks handle?" And I say, "I'm the gooey kid." There was like this pause. You're the gooey kid. The gooey uh, kid. When the no, gooey kid speaks, people listen. Yeah, yeah. there yeah, you go. Not really. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to mention, you know, uh, last week I mentioned the the book that my friend wrote, and. um I said it was, you know, a young adult, uh, kind of book. And so I started reading it the other day. I was, I was just sitting in, in the living room reading, which is a rare thing. As I've said many times, I don't read very often. And so, um, my kids, you know, what are you doing, daddy? What are you reading? So I started reading it aloud to them and it's cool because we're, we're, we're reading it and I'm doing the voices and the whole thing and, it, and it's great. And, but the, the downside is now I can't read the book on my own. Because it'll yeah. be like, you read without me, wait. And so I'm going to have to go back and, and read again. So I'm sort of being held captive 
by the time I can spend reading to my kids, but it's a great thing. Uh, and it's turned out to be a really good book to read to your kids. The, the, you know, the language, like I said, it's, it's designed for, uh, preteens to teenagers, uh, based on the language. So some of the words, you know, the babies don't understand, but, uh, for the most part, they're, they're really into the story. So I just thought cool. it's, it's the, the benefits of dad getting to spend time with his kids, but the downside is I can't read at my own pace. <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still good. It. But you're creating a lifetime reader doing that. So. <laughs> I hope so. Or at least yeah. a lifetime listener, because that's all they're doing. Yeah. They're listening. Yeah, you're taking well, one it, for humanity there, Mark, and we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. All right. And uh, and Chris uh, is enforcing in the business of forcing people to watch bad movies, but great that's right. bad movies. That's right. This weekend... um. <laughs> a friend of mine has never heard of They Live and never seen it before. So I said, what? That's an atrocity that I must fix. And we <laughs> sat down and watched They Live. And even my wife sat down to watch the ending of it and went, this is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Why is he only seeing in black and white? Yeah. And it just totally, she broke it. But he was like, yeah, pretty good yeah. movie for the age it was. Uh, so. it's, it's awesome. It's, I mean, it. It's one of those movies that has no pretense. That's yes, right. Yes, we're low budget. Yes, the concept is hard to accept. Yes, the acting is bad. Suck it up and deal with it. It's great. It's one of those movies that you just... I've watched it so many times now, I can't even answer how many times <laughs> I've watched it. But uh it's always one of those things I sit back and I watch, and I always get the the biggest smile on my face during the fight scene. Yeah. I had a friend at work recently say that they had never seen The Princess Bride, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't speak to you again until you've watched that movie. I will no longer <laughs> speak to you. We will we will go through intermediaries, but you're dead to me until you've watched The Princess Bride. <laughs> okay, in case you didn't get from the show title, this week is uh, a listener feedback week. We got, week. we got lots of mail. In fact, we may not even get to it all. It's so much. And what's in the show isn't all I have in my inbox. And that is all awesomeness. Uh, I love that you guys send me so much stuff. I can't do it all. So I try to save some back so that next week we'll have a couple of things. So I didn't do everything. Uh, but after every, you know, I do a couple, three things every week and, and you guys are sending me five or six things or 10 things every week. And so it builds up and then we have to do this listener feedback show and we love these things. So we're going to go through the news and then, then you're, I'm going to turn the show over to you, your questions and our evasive answers, uh, coming up. But first, <laughs> well, we have to answer. What? Well, we, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. Nobody said they had to be good answers. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm all right with that. Takes the pressure right off there. <laughs> uh, and, but first, Amazon is offering all you can read. That's awesome. Yes. Um, you know, um, of course, Amazon, they are all into trying to get your money. And so now it's like called Kindle Unlimited. It's $9.99 a month. And it turns out it's at least to begin with, it's not the entire, it's not everything they have on Kindle, but they have a large number of, uh, like 600,000 ebooks. And then thousands. I think that'll keep you busy for a little while. Yeah. You know, I mean, Just a my dad, my dad, that would at least get him through the end of the month. He reads <laughs> very fast. Um, and then thousands of audible audio books so again it's not the complete audible library but you can get access to some audible books through there and like pretty much everything amazon does you get a three a 30 day free trial to see if you like it and uh you know it's just another way for them to get their hooks in your paycheck 
uh, on a monthly basis. But nine ninety nine, if you're a big reader, um, if you're a big listener, you know, might be something to do. Again, you're not going to get everything, but probably get enough to keep you busy for a while. So head on over to Amazon and check it out if you're into that sort of thing. And as Chris mentioned last week, uh, many Audible apps, excuse me, many uh, um, Kindle apps will read the book to you. So if you can't, if you if you want to read on your commute, you can do that. Of course, it's it's a bad robot voice reading to you, but at least you get the context. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm assuming that if you have a device, Chris, the the Kindle itself, if you have certain models, do, and then I think the Kindle Fire yeah. does, right? Yeah, they do. Not it, Amazon. It's not I'm very not, good. I mean, Android. I'm not sure if they do or not, but I know the Kindle Fire does. So anyway, that's yeah, just another thing. Yeah, I actually I bought my dad a, a Kindle Fire um, pawn shop special, and uh, he is loving it. So might get the brothers together, and we might uh, we might chip in this because he's just going through all the free books now. Right. Um, and you know, and of course, the free books are the older books that he grew up with. So he's he's happy. Yeah, like the them. Iliad and, uh, you know, uh, the Odyssey. Right. Yeah. yeah. He loves those books. So he was, he knew Homer, didn't he? They hung I, out. You know, I think he might have helped write it, actually. <laughs> They're best friends, huh? Cool. Based that, loosely on that his hack, life. Homer. <laughs> I started listening to uh, one of the books that I returned recently on Audible. I started listening to, uh, uh, Gulliver, Gulliver, Gulliver's Travels, uh, oh, by okay. Jonathan Swift. And I didn't like it. And I thought, you know, I've read, I've seen so many adaptations of this in movies and cartoons or whatever. Surely I'm going to love the book. I didn't. I got bored and, and I returned the book. It, it just didn't stick with me. So not all the classics are necessarily classic, in, at least to everybody. Well, huh. but you know, part of the problem with that is back when that was written, there was like no TV. And, you know, <laughs> your mind wasn't blown with all these unreal stuff every week. Um, it was something cool and neat to imagine, and now it's not. It's eh. You know, I'd rather go see aliens blowing up lizards and zombies and stuff. Well, really, for me, it was I. I had such a hard time getting through the arcane uh, British language. Yeah. Um. And you know, are, I, I, I understand lots of sci-fi geeks are immersed in that culture, right? And I, you know, I'm certainly. Uh, a Python fan, but that's there's a very d- big difference between modern uh, English and and Jonathan Swift uh, English, and it was just it was so thick. the The reader was was outstanding. It was a uh, um, Hayden Hayden Pierce. What's his name? The Fra- uh, Niles from from the Fraser oh, show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and I- he was. Uh, Jonathan Hyde Pierce. That's it. Yeah, uh, and he was amazing, but the, I just couldn't get through the language of the book, and it was just yeah, yeah. no, no good. Uh, I hate when that happens. When you run into those problems, it, it's just I hate when I run into a book that I the, the writing style breaks it for me, and it just yeah. Meh. And again, it it was written in a period where where that's the way people spoke, but. It's you know I don't read the King James by version of the Bible for the same reason you know that it's it's time to modernize your language. Um, okay, moving on to the news of the week. Microsoft allegedly is rumored to be about to to slash and burn some of their staff. I don't think it's allegedly. It's pretty much been announced. They are, um, you know, they are going to be cutting about fifty eight hundred jobs. Um. 
at, and actually it's going to be up closer to 18,000. It's over 14% of their workforce. Um, most of this comes from Nokia. You know, they, since they purchased Nokia and that's finalized, they're going to be getting rid of a lot of those people. And I think part of that shows how bad off Nokia was that they still had all those people there basically doing nothing. And so in order to get the profitability out of Nokia, they're, they're just kind of cutting off the dead weight. Um, so yeah, and it's going to cost Microsoft, um, you know, over between a billion and a billion and a half in severance and benefits in the next six months. So yeah, so they're buying That's out contracts easy. at this point. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They're so so willing to cut those people that they're willing to pay them to leave. Right. And, I mean, you know, how sad is it that, um, you know, I mean, I don't know that sad is the right word, but they realize if I can spend a billion and a half now, it saves the company money in the long run. So, uh yeah. But, yeah, and so, you know, that's just pretty much, and, you know, Microsoft is one of the bigger names in technology. So just, you know, just being a technology company doesn't necessarily uh, mean that everything's roses in today's economy. And, you know, while yeah. we're on the Microsoft subject, but the uh, by the, the Xbox One came out and the, the big thing that they um, pitched about that was the uh, the connect, the, the listen and play mm-hmm. and and watch. And that was the 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 big thing and sales were in the tank so they decided to cut the big thing and now suddenly sales are skyrocketing yeah yeah they they cut off uh it's not so much that they cut the um connect it's they cut a hundred dollars off the price and so april sales basically doubled um they still trail uh sony's ps4 but they are you know they're they don't suck in comparison now they're just uh (laughs) not as much so yeah they um i don't know you know and one of the things it's kind of bad news for microsoft because they were touting the connect it has you know the main reason to buy the xbox and Mm -hmm. you know and they're trying to get developers to leverage that connect into the games and it turns out that people really don't want it you know i i don't want calisthenics when i'm playing my video game i want to sit on my couch you know, I, I don't want to run around the room ducking cover, acting like I'm shooting stuff. Uh, the only thing that I've ever noticed about the Connect version of the Xbox One is the ability to automatically load your your personal profile when you walk into the room. Um, that was a really, uh, I thought, was a really cool idea that just never ever took any took off. The fact that you didn't have to change your gaming profile because you know dad was playing the video you know was playing call of duty and now johnny wants to play he didn't have to log off dad's profile in order to play it just automatically registered and went and you could just grab and go yeah there's some features there and they'll come back the they will they will sell connect add-on kits for fifty dollars instead of the hundred they lopped off and and microsoft is playing for the living room and that camera and microphone is a big part of that. So it's, it's not going away. They're just, they just, it's a, they needed a better Trojan horse and, uh, they needed a cheaper Trojan horse. In this well, they situation. needed to separate it because a lot of the guys that I know that are playing on the place, on the Xbox One, um, that, you know, jumped on the Xbox One bandwagon, they didn't want the Kinect stuff at all. They, they actually thought that it was a more of a pain in the butt to set it all up because there's some, you know, depth issues you have to overcome for your console then 
and there's just you know some people's living rooms don't hold up to the the exact measurements that Xbox One wants to have for that Connect camera. Yeah, I don't think I would want it in my room. I, yeah, I, and the fact that it's always on kind of wigs a lot of people out. See that. <laughs> I I know I am not a tinfoil hat guy, but the way I look at it, if you if you got a camera in my living room, and you're watching me sit naked on my couch eating potato chips, you deserve what you get. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's 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 turnabout's fair play on that. You want to spy on me? Here you go. Get that but image you, out of your mind. You know, but it's not so much <laughs> not that. Even with it's, Ajax. <laughs> you know, how many security vulnerabilities are just waiting to be discovered in the Xbox? Or, you know, is there already malware out there specifically targeting that to take pictures? Again, you know, you can be a tinfoil hat guy and go, but just, you know, Microsoft is pretty good at releasing stuff that is tons of vulnerable and oh, they yeah. fix it as they go on yeah release know? crap fix it later that's the microsoft philosophy yeah and then so in the meantime you know do you want somebody snapping pictures in your living room and who knows what they'll see and i don't know i just i don't i don't want something like that that you know the only way to turn it off would be to disconnect it and i just i don't like mm. that <laughs> Hence the reason why they've sold better since they took it out. Yeah. The anyway, room is going dead horse. Crazy. What can what has been seen cannot be unseen. Um, <laughs> how do I gouge out my mind's eye? So, um, moving away from uh, Apple, uh, or excuse me, from uh, Microsoft and onto Apple, kind of. Um, here's a thing that I don't understand. There's almost every Android phone is superior to the iPhone. And yet, this company wants to make an iPhone clone. Why? Well, because it's the uh, the iPhone six that hasn't been released yet. There's a uh, Wico W I C O. Uh, it's a Chinese company. They are releasing an Android phone using. It's kind of their best guess on what the six is going to look like. So the the height and the width, and then trying to make it polished and look like it. Um, because in China, uh iPhones are so expensive that they are a status symbol. And so, you know, it's kind of like having a Gucci handbag with like, with like two E's at the end. You know, it's a Gucci, uh, but it looks the same. And you ha- and so it's kind of the keeping up appearances kind of thing. It'll be an Android phone. So it'll be cheaper. Um, you know, and it, I'm sure the actual materials, you know, the case won't be as strong and all that kind of stuff. But if you're just looking, they think it's going to look close enough to an iPhone 6 that they will be able to, you know, knock it off. And because of all the delays um, with the new iPhone coming out to market, they'll actually beat the iPhone out with the iPhone knockoff. Yeah, what a lot of people don't realize is is all these cheap electronics we get from China are only cheap for us. Uh, yeah. And if a company chooses not to export and chooses to sell domestically... Um, there are huge tariffs that they have to pay. So yeah, an iPhone made almost entirely in China by Foxconn, um, costs two to three times as much in China as it does here in the U S. Wow. But that Android phone is going to cost more too. So I'm not really sure 
I mean, yeah, they're uh, they're not having to pay for uh, for Apple software, but they couldn't pay for Apple software anyway. So I, I'm not really sure the benefit of this. It's a Chinese company making a product to sell in China, so it's still going to be expensive. Not really sure where the benefit comes in, except maybe it's easier to get their own spyware in. Yeah, yeah that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's my tinfoil comb over happening. Uh, I, it's just I don't get it. I don't. I think here in in America, anyway, the Apple is the coolest brand in the world. That that wave is has crested and is is diminishing. Uh, yep. And Samsung is the 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 stuff now. And and you know people want the latest and greatest Samsung phone. They don't. They never have wanted an Android phone. They don't use that word. Uh, right. But now it's you know I I heard I heard it just recently at work. I got the new Samsung. Oh, great. I've been wanting to look to that. Let me see that one. And it's not the new iPhone anymore. Um, right, right. But again, make, that, that's here. So is that's right. not necessarily the case uh, in there. And, of course, you know, iPhone, they're, they're tremendous. Usually, there's shortages whenever they first launch, and you got to right. wait to get one. So with this one, I'm sure it will be flooded, and you won't have to wait. They'll be saying, here, take this crappy iPhone knockoff, right. please. Design shortages, by the way, those are artificially sh- shortages. Yes, but I mean, but you know, and you know, and that makes for good press saying, "Oh, the iPhone sold out on its launch," um, you know. But then, look, a month later, there's a whole bunch more. But it makes for good press, and so um, you know, now if it's if if the iPhone is you're buying it has a status symbol because you don't really care whether it's Apple or Android and that one sold out and I can get this thing that looks almost exactly like it for less money. Let me get the thing that looks almost exactly like it for less money. I mean, that's a very American mindset right there. So we are perverting the world one, you know, one idea at a time. Go USA. You know what's becoming more American, and I'm super proud of it? Putting patent trolls in their place. Go Team America. Nice. Finally. Um, You know, the Supreme Court last month ruled that, you know, you can't really just say, hey, it's software, patent me. You know, um, so some of that is uh, trickling down now into lower courts. Um, Let me see here. In this first post ruling on a software patent at the CAFC, which is the appeals court that handles all patent cases, um, it has uh, basically smacked down a patent, and that's from the uh, from the article held by one of the many, many, many shell companies. Um, the shell is Digitech Image Technologies, and the patent basically says, "Hey, we want this." We want this image to look the same in multiple formats and devices. And I mean, it doesn't really ex- say how to do it. It just says this image should look the same across a wide variety of devices. So if you've ever employed error correction software, you owe us money. Yes. Jeez. And you know, and they've sued companies such as Newegg, Overstock, Xerox, Toshiba, Fujifilm. Um, you know, and now it looks like they might have lost this one. And then it goes into a whole lot of things. And actually on this techdirt.com, you can actually kind of go through and read the thing from the federal court of appeals, you know, if you like to read legalese, but basically it has taken a while, but it looks like they've ran, you know, they've ran out of stupidity and have stumbled across a well of common sense. So hopefully this well will not run dry this well of uncommon sense. And it will be, uh, it will be, 
be gushing for quite some time. Maybe this will be the spindle top of rationality in the legal system. That's okay, we can Texas hope, history. Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, hey, it, it went. I was proud of myself for coming up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Our Texas history aficionados are right there with you, brother. Um, you know, uh, I, I had a transition and then we went past it. So Lenovo stopped selling small screen Windows tablets in the U.S. Yes, really? because their um, their assertion is nobody wants Windows um, on an eight inch screen or smaller, so they are not selling any Windows devices below ten inch. And Mark, come on, my title for this was so great. Uh, just for uh, people listening to the show, <laughs> I called this article "My Windows is Bigger Than Yours." I was really hoping you could work that one in. I tried. But, I did. But yeah, <laughs> um, other countries and other regions of the world like or they accept windows on the smaller devices, seven, eight inches. Um, and, you know, that might be a price consideration, but Lenovo is seeing they're not selling well. Uh, Android sells good in seven and eight inch sizes. And I know like Dell has a, a seven inch Windows tablet. I think HP does as well. So they're still out there. It's just Lenovo was saying, uh, you know, nobody's buying these here in America. So we're not going to market them in America anymore. And nobody will notice. Right. Nope. Yeah. Um, with the uh, article that linked to this that I found uh, said, shouldn't the bigger point be that nobody's buying Windows? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to our next story. Uh, again, no good transition. Google has decided you can use your own name. Yawn. Or use no. not, you don't have to use your own name. Yes, you know, that was a big deal when Google Plus first launched is it had to be real people and you couldn't use these stupid names like you could like on Facebook or MySpace. So this was going to differentiate Google Plus in that you knew you were talking to real people. Well, they started dialing that back whenever they integrated YouTube and let people keep their YouTube usernames. Um, but now they have dropped the policy. And so, you know, you can be, you know, you can be super whiz banger 78 cheesehead now. Uh, go create that Gmail account and get your Google Plus on. Does and, anyone really care? Well, you know, I, know I, think I, a, I think a lot of people cared at one time. But now, I, here's the thing. Google's real name strategy didn't matter to a lot of people and made things better for a lot of people. Right. And yep. now that you can, so our friend, the door-to-door geek, right? He couldn't be door-to-door geek. He had to be Steve McLaughlin. But he did Steve McLaughlin, a.k.a. the door-to-door geek. Um, now is he going to go back? You can't change your name. He's had to create a whole new account. So that's the thing. It's it's you're get, people who want to change their name have to start all over again. Yeah, and and I I just, it, I think it's a pure a pyrrhic victory. <laughs> wow, my tang got tangled up. I think it's an empty win. What's the word for pyrrhic victory? I just couldn't say it. Um, uh, starts with a P. Yeah, it's pyrrhic. P H Y. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I. Language class will be next ha, week. has to do with a battle in ancient Greece between Greece and Persia. If you right. want to know the history yes. of it, but where where they won the battle but lost. Anyway, moving on. I, I think <laughs> I think it's not that big a deal anymore. Had they started Google Plus with this, uh, it would have it would have been a non news story. But 
anybody who's done anything on Google, uh, excuse me, on, on YouTube knows that people being identified by their real name in YouTube comments has cleaned up YouTube comments a lot. Yep. So yep. It's, if, if that's it's all scary. it did, it, it was a win. Thank you, Google, for making the internet better there. Yeah, and I think the people who would have joined Google, Google isn't the new cool thing anymore. Google Plus isn't, and I'm not saying it's not viable. I believe it is viable, but it's not the cool new thing that you know everybody wants to rush on. And so you know that's gone on to Instagram, Pinterest, or or you know I'll have to ask some of the youth group here at church whatever the the new piece <laughs> of junk time waster is. Um, so you know those people, I don't think. I don't think they're going to rush onto Google now, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, maybe there will be some people who get on and maybe it will, the, um, adoption rate might tick up, but I don't really see it being a game changer. No. Yeah. And, and it, it'll be just, you know, follow, uh, mark my words a month from now, there will be a news story saying Google changed its policy and Google Plus is still a ghost town. Google Plus is a ghost town is a meme that writers pull out every couple of months. Oh, it's time to do the Google is a uh, Google Plus is a ghost town story. Right, a ghost, go, uh, a ghost town with half a billion active users. Uh, but you know that, that's that's now that'll just be tagged onto it. They made this change and nobody and it didn't help. Google Plus is a ghost town. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm just having a hard time caring. I guess is all I'm saying. I wish they would kept it, to tell you the honest truth. Um, I know a lot of times when I go down to look at YouTube comments now, like Mark was just, like you were just saying that, you know, the, the comments have cleaned up. It, it, it was a nice change. I, I, I hope that we don't end up seeing the, uh, you know, Johnny Blows comments come back yeah. now that the, they've unlocked the whole name change thing. And, and another news story that I think isn't news, Microsoft is doubling down on um, partnering with people to, to create crappy netbooks that compete with the crappy Chromebooks. Gone. Boo-hoo. Yeah, and that's, you know, they are basically releasing some free versions of Windows uh, is what it's going to amount to. So you're just going to kind of be paying for the hardware, and their goal is to, you know, give you the price point. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's one of the reasons that Chromebooks are selling is because they are very, very cheap. So they're looking to give you something. They're looking to offer something at that same price, but then they can tout the benefits of, hey, it's the Windows that you know you can get Office and all of that kind of stuff uh, along with it and to compete because, you know, it's one of those things, you know, Microsoft, if, if they've lost the cheap market that gets people into computers, then next they will lose the mid tier market because the people who have the cheap market move up and then they will lose the high end market. And then they'll be just kind of a niche player, um, more so than they already are now. Um, so it's a good strategy for Microsoft. I think that Microsoft is finally getting their act together and, you know, get, they've gotten over the fact that, oh my gosh, we're not the 90% player anymore. We have to compete. Uh, and people have to have a reason just saying, well, it's always been Microsoft is no reason that it's mm-hmm. always going to be Microsoft. So it looks like they are pulling out a cohesive strategy 
to, and again, I don't think their days of, you know, 90% market dominance will ever come back, but they have a compelling ecosystem and they seem to be finally doing a decent job of marketing it as such. Uh, this is just the netbook by another name. Yeah. I mean, and the, I don't think it's going to do any better. The, I was always a big fan of netbooks and I always said, why have a Chromebook that can't do as much as a netbook when you get a netbook at the same price? This is, uh, uh, here's one of the SKUs that, uh, in the article on The Verge, an Acer Aspire, uh, ES1 with a two point gig Celeron, uh, a two gig Celeron processor, four gigs of RAM and a 15 inch screen. You can go buy that computer right now for about that price or less at, uh, you know, um, Best Buy or, or, um, any other micro center or, um, you know, any yeah. of those places that sells discounted stuff. That laptop, in fact, I bought that laptop just recently. Um, uh, it was, uh, it's an Acer. It's upstairs in the living room right now. I paid two thirty, two forty for it, and with those same basic specs, it's, this is not new. This is yeah. just rebranding. Yeah, but you know, again, it's they're that's the one thing they don't want is they don't want to have a second round of underpowered netbooks. So, you know, I'm sure it's going to be some type of limited version of Windows, and you're not going to get the full feature. I don't know how, I don't know how they can still sell those and then expect people to buy like the surface or something like yeah. that. Um, you know, so there has to be something to give them a compelling computer to match the Chromebook offerings, but it has to be lacking something so that people will still buy, you know, the, the mid tier and up computers. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's like I say, it's one of those. I just thought I'd throw it out there and we could talk about it a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. And we did. So, mission accomplished. Oh, um, my gosh. I'm sorry. I, I just saw this on The Verge. It appears the original Rick Rowe video has disappeared from YouTube. Oh, no. Breaking news. What? Uh, I'm, Probably a DMCA takedown. <laughs> but yeah. it's, um, I don't know why. It's been pulled down more than seven years and 70 million views after it was first up. And it's not saying you can't find it there, but it's just saying the original one it has gone. Oh my gosh. That's a sad day in internet history. Oh, Rick Astley. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, okay. That, that's just bonus content that you had to hear in the show. There won't be a reference to it in the show notes. There you go. So. And uh, as we're going along here, I'm whacking stuff here. We, depending on how long the show goes, we may have a bonus uh, uh, buffer overflow episode on uh, Patreon for our Patreon subscribers. But just to uh, hit the highlights, um, Ubuntu One is dying. Nobody cares. And we're going to make fun of the FCC because they need a web uh, builder. Wah. Um <laughs> But here's an interesting thing. This is a big news story going on right now. The, the Malaysia, uh, flights that, that crashed. And, um, you know, as anytime there's a breaking news story, Wikipedia is really good about jumping right on it. Uh, and here's an example of, you know, I, we'll have to decide later whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but Russia itself is uh, now editing the Wikipedia entry for this. Yeah. There are, um, and, 
you know, I'm not sure exactly who has done it, but there's a, they've set up bots to monitor the IP addresses of that, like the Russian government owns. And the, and it's not just Russia. There's also ones that monitor the, uh, UK parliament IP address block and, and it's another one that monitors the U.S. Congress. So it's not like somebody just said, Hey, let's monitor Russia. There's several countries uh that are monitored and there's like uh, twitter handles you know you can uh m- go to and, and see those feeds and the f- the plane and here's the article here's the article on wikipedia a uh, section of it before the edit said the plane fly mh17 was shot down by terrorists of the self-proclaimed donetsk people's republic with book missile systems which the terrorists received from the russian federation and after the edit, which occurred about an hour later, it simply said the plane flight MH17 was shot down by Ukrainian soldiers. So, hmm. you know, and, and again, it's kind of one of those cool things that, um, you know, and, and, and like I say, it just so happened that they caught this one. And so that edit happened with an IP address that was assigned to the Russian government. Yeah. And, and history will tell us which of those edits is true. Right. You know, right now yeah. we're more apt to believe the former over the latter, but that's just our own bias creeping in there. I, that's why I say we'll, uh, we'll have to determine whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. This is either setting the record straight or downplaying. And we really can't know which at this time. Yeah. I would be, it just seems weird. I mean, even if this were the truth, that shouldn't come, you know, there should have been a news conference or something first it, it, saying it, it just, it smells fishy to me. It doesn't pass the smell test to me, but again, sometimes my nose isn't quite right. So, uh, okay. Something else that wasn't quite right was Samsung's performance numbers overall. Their, uh, their profits are dipping, even though uh, the reason they're dipping is that they're returning from record highs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the um the Samsung managers, so these are like uh, managers and lower level executive kind of people. They returned a portion of their bonuses that totaled roughly two point nine two million dollars because their profit for the first quarter of two thousand fourteen was only eight point two three billion, down from eight point five billion last year. So um or from you know, from quarter two of last year. So, you know, they lost a quarter of a billion dollars in profit as opposed to a year ago. And that is bad news. And so some of the, again, these aren't like the CEO of Samsung, but managers of, uh, and divisions like that. 200 managers from Samsung's mobile division have returned a quarter of the recent bonuses they received in an effort to show that they accept responsibility for the company's waning performance. So either they returned it in an effort to show that they're responsible, or they were told it's coming back out of your paycheck because you're responsible. This is <laughs> the, my, my smelling of this is the latter over the former. The press spin is, you know, middle managers accept the blame, but I think the reality is, Upper managers made cuts and pointed the yeah. blame. That that could be too. Yeah, it just see. I mean, you know, again, that's not. 
I just, I don't understand that level of money. I, I really, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. it. That's, I mean, you freaking made over eight billion, billion with a B. And of course, if you put it in one, which is their unit of measurement, it's, um, over three billion one they returned and their profit was over eight trillion. So, you know, those are unreal numbers. And at the same time, like I said, when your profits are at record highs, where are they going to go? Logic right. dictates they're going to come down. There's a reason they were record highs. You can't always have record. But the stock market in general is stupid like that. They expect a stock to always go up. And if it ever goes down, what what analysts call a correction in the in the, the market, uh, you know, traders go nuts over it. It's like, oh, they're dropping. And so, no, you can't always be the highest you've ever been. It's not possible to always go up. So right. Samsung is doing gangbusters, but they're doing slightly less gangbusters than they were this time last year. Therefore, we must blame someone. Right. Yeah. I just, typical know. typical uh, economics, really. On the other hand, poor mid-level employee, uh, mid-management who doesn't actually do anything but fill in spreadsheets, he lost some bonus money. Nobody, They didn't take any salary from anybody. They they took some bonus money away. Uh, again, that's my take. They voluntarily returned some of their bonus money. Uh, I got a performance bonus this week. I ain't giving it back. <laughs> you know, it just uh, kind of depends on uh, on your mindset. That's the way I. That's why I think this is a, a total PR spin. Because if the company came to me and said, "Hey, you know, profits are are dipping. We want you to give back part of that performance bonus," I'd be like, "No, I hit all my numbers. I got my bonus. It's mine. It's gone. Yeah. In fact, yep. I've already spent it. Leave yeah. me alone." It's like it you burned. know, you shouldn't have given it to me. <laughs> Exactly. You want to withhold a bonus, that's one thing. You want to return a bonus, that's another one entirely. Yep. All right. And and f- no good segue to this, but to try to keep your kids from costing you a fortune, Google says they're going to change the name of apps that offer in-app purchases from free to something to be determined later. Yes. So if mm. an app is free to download but has in-app purchases, it will not be classified free. And this is because of the EU and some of the changes there. So it's unclear whether this will simply be an EU um, thing that we won't see here in America or if there is a new app. You know, maybe uh, label them freemiums. I don't know. Uh, or something. But yeah, so yay, Google, that you're doing it. Boo, Google, that it took you so long. Yeah, um, I, I just I'm, I'm going to mini rant. I'm mounting my soapbox, people. Um, I recently and very recently, less than like two weeks ago, started playing a game, Clash of Clans. It's a popular yep. game. And because it was a popular game, I thought I'd check it out. And it's your basic, you know, civilization, age of empires, build things, go attack things. But like so many games, they have these wait times built in. Uh, you have to upgrade this. This upgrade will take four hours. But if you'd like to make it happen now, you can use these gems. And they give you a certain amount of gems, and you can gain gems and, and that sort of thing. But once you get somewhat invested, and it happens very quickly. Like I said, I've, I've been playing the game less than two weeks. I'm now at the point where my upgrades take two days. Yep. Or cost me you know, 500 gems, which you can't get 500 gems through normal gameplay. But you can go buy them you know, for five bucks. You can do that. Um, and, you know, I haven't, I was content to just wait it out, check on the game every couple of days. 
uh, right. and and go because I just kind of wanted to see how it would, could I build up? Can I attack? That's what, and then I watched this video on YouTube just out of curiosity. I typed in how much money do people actually spend in Clash of Clans, and it took me to this YouTube video of this rich kid uh, who spent in the course of a five minute YouTube video probably a thousand dollars in gems so much so that wow. the game made him type in the word confirm when he made a purchase because it was like are you sure you want to do this um and anyway he was doing his building he was i don't know level 10 or whatever it is and he built something a chota upgrade and the system said 14 days wait time if you don't pay for it with gems wow. and as soon as i saw that i was like okay i'm done i'm not gonna i'm, I'm not gonna pay you for the privilege of not waiting. Now, if it had topped out at two days, something like that, fine. But apparently, it continues to grow exponentially to the point where when you get to the higher levels, uh, the the build, the upgrade, the whatever takes 14 days, pff, I'm done. So yeah. that's the quote-unquote freemium model, but it's also a really bad game design. Yeah, well, Candy Crush, it worked good for Candy Crush. In 2013, they made just under... Well, they grossed just under two billion dollars of in. Oh yeah, purchases. I mean, I'm, I was reading an article said they're making something like six hundred thousand dollars a day on this game. Uh, so wow. it's working for them. It's not going to work for them for me. I'm done. I un- uninstalled it. I'm, it's over. Even though I'm still at the range where I could wait it out, knowing that's my future, why invest any time in this game? It, it wasn't that great a game. Yeah, it's not. But the, and the funny thing is, is I'm seeing more and more games, or even programs for that matter, that go down this freemium model where it's like, oh, you can play the game, you can, you know, spend, you know, the $5 to get in, in, in you know, because that's my limit on any of these type of games. I'll spend five bucks and that's it. Um, but it's like, why are the games, you know, and they're just re- reskins of the same process. There's no, new things coming out so it's like why would i spend money on these games and there's nothing entertaining to them it's build and wait build and wait and i don't like those type of games at all you know, candy crush i never played it but my kids play it and it's the same thing you get to a certain level uh or you expend a certain number of tries i'm not really sure even what the rules are and then you have to wait 24 hours yeah. I'm okay with that, really. Um, that's actually a good thing. It, it helps curb the addiction. Uh, but some people are, were happy to pay so that they don't have to wait. Uh, but, you know, there, when it grows exponentially and there's no end in sight, you know, I understand they got to make money. I get that. I'm fine with that. There are no ads in this game. And I understand if you want things to be better, you have to pay for it. I'm, 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 I'm totally okay with the business model, but the implement, implementation of it where this thing that you have to do to move on takes 14 days. No, yeah, that's bad game design. Uh, but well, and, you know, and what would you do for the fourteen days where you're waiting for that thing to crank? You just you never know? touch the game again. That's the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't understand why why game designers are going down this road so wholeheartedly. I think it's it's going to end up lose. You're going to end up losing people. So, but now, well, but in, in if, this, if you make your millions, what does it matter if six months yeah, from now anybody's right. still playing that? You made two million dollars. So, you know, it's I will, like, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Seth. No, I was going to say, you know, I used to play Candy Crush and I got up, I was like level 100 and something. And, you know, and I would get to where I'd use up my lives and it'd be, and then all of a sudden I was just looking and I just realized this is just bejeweled, but with less chance of success unless yes. I spend money. All right. Hold that button down on that app till the little X shows up and click it. <laughs> and then I'm done. And go get bejeweled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and I, I did say there's nothing you can do in clan. That's not really true. You can you can join a clan, you can go on raids, you can do all that sort of stuff, but you get to a point where you need a certain guy to be able to succeed in the raid. So what's the point of going in on endless raids you can't win until 14 days have passed and you can upgrade your whatever? So, but, you know, I think, Chris, you, you've, uh, or Seth, you've nailed it. You've they, They're in it to make their money and move on. They're not in it to build a game that's going to last 20 years or a community well yeah i mean that's why you're seeing the same game over and over again because it made me a million bucks last time let's make that color red instead of green and see if we can do it again and the sad part is people do what's that multiplayer online game where there's battling tanks it's a it's it's been around i think literally 20 years it's been around a long time and the graphics haven't uh, changed all that much. There have been new clients created. It's open source. But because the gameplay is so um, in people have been doing it for literally over a decade and a half. Um, and, you know, that's that's what you need to shoot for, people. But is there money in that type of a model? Apparently, that's yeah, the, that's what not. everyone... Yeah, you know, that's what everyone's bottom line is. You know, if they can't make a million in three months then we're not going to go down that road so and i think it's horrible i would rather see and i've gotten to the point where i spent a lot of money on those these one one-off games like that and i finally decided that you know what my money doesn't go that way anymore i'm going to spend money on triple a titles that i can play for five for four years or three years and not and then not worry about it you know but I got to be honest with you. If I had an idea for a game that I thought would make a million dollars through in-app purchases, you better believe I would yeah. develop it and put it out there. So, I mean, just because I'm not going to waste my money doesn't mean there isn't some other sucker born at this last minute who will. I'm not mad at yeah. them for doing it. I just think it's a poor long-term play. But as we were just saying, the the modern business climate doesn't look at the long term. Nope. They see two weeks. Two weeks in their in their eyes, and that's about it. Okay, and our last news story this week uh, is near and dear. We had to get some Linux in there. So uh, this is a, a news story on Linux.com about how the the necessary skills for a Linux administrator are changing and have changed. Yes, um, and that's the title of the article. Linux system administration skills are changing. Uh, and it asks, it starts out with a question. When was the last time you compiled a kernel? For many of the latest generations of Linux admin, the answer is really simple. Never. And used to, when you were a system admin, that was your job. You had to go in and debug the kernel and find out why it wouldn't work and do this and recompile that and roll this driver for that and, you know, do your voodoo to get this um, this black art thing called Linux up and working because you weren't going to be beholden to the man that is Microsoft. Um, but now Linux has become so stable and it is so widespread in the server room and basically everywhere but the desktop that you don't really have to do that anymore. You have to know how to manage and configure. And really, in these days, if you are backing up like you should, if your server crashes, you know, just reload an OS, restore your data, and go on, and it will probably be faster. And they make a point in the article that there are still times and there still needs to be that class of people who know how to do that. But for most of the time, you know, um, 
since another layer layer of abstraction has been added over the kernel that really you don't need that you need to know how to configure how to set up um how software runs on linux and rather than how to compile a kernel and make sure arch is running well in the background so it's a really cool article go in and read it and take a look and i don't know it just seemed to me that if there was some advertiser or something we had that could tie into this story, that this would be a good place for it, Mark. Don't you think? You know, and I, I think that's a good idea. If only we had some. Oh, wait, we do. Our good friends over at the LinuxAcademy.com, where you can learn the modern skills necessary to be a Linux administrator. Their goal is to take you from being uh, a, a Linux novice to a Linux system administrator by way of their step-by-step video courses. Uh, they have now well into the 300 range of different uh, videos uh, related to all sorts of different courses. Uh, it's really simple. Go check them out. You uh, you you can get a 14-day trial for a dollar. Go in there, uh, check it out, look around, and you're going to find that it's not just videos. There are lots of sites on the web right now that offer learning videos, but most of them that I've seen are just videos. This goes so far beyond that. that Each video has its own PDF study guide that's time-coded with the video so that you can jump back and forth. Not only do you have just that static, uh, take-it-in learning, but they offer your own Linux lab. It's your personal lab with up to eight virtual machines uh, that you can play with and and you know follow along while you're watching the video while you're reading the uh, the study note you can actually be doing it so you're engaging your your eyes you're engaging your your hands and, and you're doing while you're while you're watching and and, and all of that it's in this integrated learning environment uh, that they have this this dashboard they call them modules so you take a module that uh, you know for example the LPIC level one certification module you take that you go through step step by step you take your study guides uh, you read them you take your practice quizzes oh did I mention that yes they have practice quizzes and then when you're done with the quizzes they have full-on practice practice certification exams so you take the practice certification exam you pass that then you go right from their own site because they're affiliated with the, some of the best and most well-known certification sites on the web right from their own site you can link over and and take your certification test and become a linux certified administrator all from the your learning there at the linux academy and you know like i said it's a 14-day trial for a dollar but after it's over that's when they kick in you know the the 14 days is up they automatically convert you to their really terribly expensive 20 dollars a month uh and so you get all that great learning for 20 dollars a month but hey i'm sorry 25 dollars a month that's their monthly package but if you if that's too much for you if you can't handle $25 a month, if you can't put aside a couple of pizzas a month, um, how about we back it down to $19 a month? If you buy in bulk, you buy a year up front, it's $19 a month. And and like I always say about them, go there, try it out, try the 14-day the, the trial, and they, they can confidently give you that trial because they know that you're going to like it. And buy yeah. it for a month. If, if you're, you know, just just pitch in $25 and see if you like it. Stick around. Don't Don't commit to a year. Buy it for a month. Then if you like it, convert to the annual membership. You can do that because there's, there's way more stuff there than you can get through in a year. And as like Seth likes to say, if you, if you watch the stuff, you do the work, you apply yourself, you're going to learn. They, they're not going to open your head and force the learning on you, but man, everything's right there for you. Linuxacademy.com. Use the referral code Everyday Linux when you sign up. Let them know you heard about it here. And the cool thing about them is they didn't just say, hey, we've got this great thing for you to learn Linux. We're done. 
come come buy our stuff. They like we have this great thing and we want to make it greater. So they are constantly adding new stuff. You know, has the Linux kernel changes and distributions take advantage of that? New technologies, new um, new processes. Uh, golly, what's the word? I can't even think of the right word. I'm trying to say um, new ways come out to do things. They're on top of it. They put that in there so you keep going. Here's the thing you want to get in today. Um, I can't say they will do this in the future, but I don't pay the price they're advertising today. I pay the price when I joined. Now, again, I'm not speaking for them that this will always be the case, but whenever they've raised the prices, they've kept mine the same. So if you get in today and the price goes up tomorrow, if history stays the same, you'll keep the price you have. So it's well worth to get and maintain because it will keep it will get you the skill set you need and it will help you keep your skill set current you know like when i got into technology i learned windows xp and microsoft server 2000 uh hello yeah (laughs) i gotta you know luckily i've picked up some other stuff here and there along the way but you know you can't it's not like if you learn accounting you know, assets equals liability plus owner equity or capital, depending on who your teacher was. That formula stays the same regardless. You know, you, you know, yes, there's programs on how you enter that stuff that change, but your basic accounting structure stays the same. If you do, if you commit yourself to a lifetime of computer system, system administration, repair and configuration, you are committing yourself to a lifetime of learning to stay current. So you need to have places you can go to get that learning. And the Linux Academy is a top notch place to go. So back to the article at hand, uh, it is true that we're the, the article goes into great detail talking about the layers of abstraction between the, the kernel and the user now, and that it's not so much necessary to know the kernel stuff to be a pro. Um, I had a, a conversation with an old Linux user one time, uh, and he mentioned something about, uh, uh, using the print cap file. And I was like, dude, I haven't used a print cap file ever. I, I've been using Linux a long time and I've never needed to because the GUI tools are there and I'm going to use them. Sure. I, I'm sure it's great to know that, but I'm, I'm all about efficiency. I can either, uh, dink around in the man file for you know six months learning to use this or i can use this nice gui that somebody already built and and just yep. do that and and you know uh you know i've never compiled my own kernel never had any reason to uh i have compiled software from source before because some things have to be compiled on your own machine to really uh take the the benefit of it but even so that that's so easy now you don't need to actually know anything you just type the the make command and then the 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 compiler and then just go it's not a big deal um and so it's and and all those things I'm sure are even GUI driven now. They can be now. I, I know our command line Godfather is is a little itching there to uh, to rise in defense of the command line. But even he, Chris, have you ever edited a print cap file? Um, let me think. Mm, not in the near future, in the near past. Maybe way back when I first started, I did. Um, but yeah, ever since probably the early thousand two thousands, we've the print cap really isn't even used anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the nice thing about GUI tools is that they do make things a little more, they can make some, t- um, tasks faster and quicker, but there's still a handful of things that is better done in the command line. 
So, yeah, and that was another thing that I always liked about Linux Academy is they did show you the other options as well. So right. it, it never hurts to learn the command line because if you hose your X configuration, um, you're kind of stuck in a command line until you figure out how to put it back. We have a comment so, about that coming up. Oh, unless you have Webmin installed, and then you're okay. If you got Webmin, you can hose X and rebuild it. You could. Yeah. I, by the way, install Webmin. That's sudo install webmin. If you don't have it installed, you can put it on your Raspberry Pi, even, I've learned. <laughs> if you don't have webmin installed, if you have even one Linux server without it, go install it right now. It's it's just something you got to do. See, I never use webmin. Oh, it's just... I, I just don't. It's amazing. It's, it's the Swiss Army knife of Linux configuration. See, and I think that's probably because when I first started learning um, Linux... And, you know, Webbin was still, was new on the block. I hosed so many installs with Webmin. I just got burnt and I never went back. Really? I never I think, had that yeah. experience. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been burned. Oh, I, I know at least of three installs where Webmin burned my server to the ground because of, it broke the config files. So yeah, I got burned and I never went back. So maybe I'll take it. Maybe I'll VM it and take a look at it. Maybe I'll I'll change my tune. But uh, right now, I'll I'll rely on my brain. Uh, I'm reminded everything. of a Mark Twain quote. He says that uh, we must take the lessons uh, in life that there are to learn, but no more. Consider a cat who sits on a hot stove lid. He'll never sit on a hot stove lid again, but he'll never sit on a cold one again either. Uh, yep. You know, sometimes blanket uh, lessons are not actual lessons. Okay, you've had o- over an hour of us. Now let's listen to you. And we're beginning uh, going to begin with Andrew who says he understands the IRS. You're the one. What? You're the one, Andrew. Um, he says, I can actually understand the decision referring to the... Uh, um, how did I cut that out of the the thing? I left out the company that we were talking about. Yorba? Your, your, yeah, Yorba. Yorba, yeah. um, that we they lost their 501c3 status because they make a product that makes money. There we go. And Andrew says, I can actually understand this decision. Imagine some company needs some piece of highly specialized software. They could create a, uh, a FOSS shop so to dodge paying a taxes on development costs, saying it's open source when no one else has their needs. I'm not really an expert on U.S. tax, being an Australian and not an accountant, but there might be such a loophole there. This ruling may be preemptively shutting down those loopholes uh, before they're exploited. Uh, as an analogy, Stupid Co. might need a road to their remote facility. They create a nonprofit entity, Free Roads, to build that road, saying anyone can use our Free Roads product. It doesn't make money, so it shouldn't be taxed. Uh, Andrew, I, I, no. Uh, <laughs> that's just... Um, when you build something and make it open source uh, and share it, and it's a nonprofit thing... It doesn't matter if somebody takes your nonprofit thing and makes it for profit. So, uh, the 3D printers things. All right. So if I, uh, build my own 3D printer with plans online and sell my 3D printer creations, are the 3D printer guys, should they be taxed for what I sell? Um, you know, it, by, by that model, if, if I put plans online for my coffee rig that I, that I make and I plan to do that, um, and somebody takes that and opens a coffee shop using my method, 
should I then be taxed by for their efforts? Now that we're not talking directly about the government taxing, but it's the same thing. They're saying because you because people can use your product to make money, you're not a nonprofit organization. And I just I don't I don't buy it. Um well there'd be a lot of people that'd be stuck then. Um look at uh Pigeon for that matter. Uh they they lice they they tie into products that are um not free and and paid for, but yet you know they they still are they still have their 501c. So how is, you know, the whatever that company's name, what what what's any different with them? Yeah, I just I think this is a case of another case of lawmakers not understanding the situation, but passing laws anyway. Well, and this isn't really a law. This is the IRS. The thing about the IRS in the U.S. is they don't actually answer to anybody. They can pretty much do whatever the heck they want. Um, and that's horrible. One of the most powerful organizations in our country. Um, yep. Okay. Moving on. Mike has a rant of his own. I, I've had enough Uh-oh. of my rants on the show. We've heard Chris rant. We've heard Seth rants. Now Mike wants to rant on his own. Oh, oh, but I can't, I can't pass on. Jim Beeson says, so public schools should be taxed too because people take their educations and go make money. Interesting. No, the difference, good call. the difference there though is that public schools are funded entirely with tax money. So if you tax the taxes, you're taking a tax out of the money that you just gave them. You take, yeah, that, that's well, why but, schools aren't taxed. But the, you could argue that the school is a partnership of the local people. Um, and therefore, they're not oh. paying federal taxes on the money they receive. So, booyah. Way to go. I like that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, <laughs> let's get on with Mike's rant. It's about Facebook. Uh, we all like Facebook. It says, one variation on the urban myth is all this rubbish that it's, quote, just b- done for fun or for charity. I'll give you an example. Recently, a friend of mine posted a status on f- Facebook along the lines of, hey, I just won 900 pounds on a scratch card. So I did the thing that some people do and clicked like. Within minutes, I received a private message from her revealing the hidden secret. Oh, the excitement! Can you hear the irony in my typed voice? I'll have mercy and save you the full post. But it began like this. You should not have clicked or commented on my status. Now you have to pick one of the 14 below to post your own status. This is the 2014 Breast Cancer Awareness Game. Don't be a spoiler sport or your, uh, or your poison. Don't choose your poison and change your status. It then proceeds to list 14 options that I must put on Facebook. Okay, it all seems to have an air of fun and charity, and indeed it could just possibly be that. But you have to admit, it still looks a heck of a like a chain letter. Besides which, who on earth created this? Some teenagers should have been playing, paying attention in class rather than playing with their iPhone, perhaps? Uh, are you ex- And you expect me to pass this on to my friends? I'm getting annoyed again now. Okay, in the end, I ignored it. I was tempted to reply to my friend and explain why, but I resisted, mainly because it wasn't worth causing a fuss and also because I'm lazy. She thinks I'm being a grump, then that's fine. And you probably guessed that I thoroughly enjoyed your rant about Facebook, and I feel much the same way, although I do use the like button, however. Uh, I do use the like button, however, dot, 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 I will darn well post what I choose to post on Facebook. I will equally darn well like what I actually like, and I will not like stuff because people say I should or that I'm a horrible person if I don't. Frankly, I resent the implication. So if you post, please click like on this cutesy, horrible, deep, and meaningful picture because then no, I won't. You're begging me to click like has actually had quite the opposite effect. If I didn't like your post, maybe I didn't like it. Or maybe I disagree with it. Maybe I missed it. Or perhaps Elvis disembarked from a flying saucer in my back garden. Whatever. Get over it. 
I feel this has come to a bit of an abrupt halt, but that's the the end of my mini rant. It felt good. Finally, a question for you. Life in the context of Linux. I have trouble getting my head around that phrase. I'm not actually sure it makes any sense. Some friends and I at work often have fun picking holes in grammatically incorrect sentences, so maybe I'm hunting for something that isn't there. Either way, pseudo, explain yourself. <laughs> Another random aside, you guys mentioned the 419 scams, too. Have you seen the 419 baiters? Not sure quite what I think about all these, but it's pretty crazy. Okay, I'm done now. Thanks for the hours and hours of entertainment you all provide. Whew, Mike, that was awesome. That's a that that was a rant of uh the soapbox worthiness yes. that was worthy of the sultan indeed uh, i hope uh, i and read i agree it, with it i hope i read it with the appropriate angst and and <laughs> ire that you you wrote so uh a couple of comments there uh 419 bader as I, if i understand what you're saying is these guys who try to scam the scammers um i actually did that once it was a lot of fun uh this uh, <laughs> i was on this I don't know, this set website, I don't even remember what it was, but it was a chat type thing. And this uh, supposedly uh, girl from, I don't even remember where, was like, yeah, you know, I'll marry you if you can get me out of the country. I'm married. I, I'm not interested. But I played along anyway. And I was like, yeah. And, and I, I kept getting increasingly worse. It's like, uh, well, you know, I'll get you out of your country. The money's not a problem. Don't worry about it. I'm rich. Uh, but, uh, you know, once you get here, I'm going to keep you chained in the basement and um, <laughs> because I'm into that sort of thing. And you'll only be able to come out in time to uh, scrub the floors with your toothbrush that you'll then have to use later. Are you okay with that? Sure, whatever. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Whatever. Um, and I just I kept getting increasingly depraved in my description of what i was going to do to this person and then finally they stopped contacting me oh it was a lot of fun that, that's like when uh that's like when those the we, you know we still get those cold call scams about that they're uh from microsoft and you have viruses in your machines oh yes have yes. you guys uh, yeah yeah you've, you've have you ever got have you ever watched or have punked those people no, i've never gotten one of those Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> Seth, um, you got one of those, right? Didn't you? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of ruined it to begin with, but I started off, hey, dude, before we get started, I just want to let you know, I've got 10 years in the IT field, plus I'm well equated with your scam. Now, having said that, I'm ready to play along. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, you know, it was dead air. So I was like, oh, man. They didn't call. See what, what's, what's best. What's the best way to do it is play along, but do it on a Linux box. Because then yeah. they're like, well, click start. I don't have a start. I don't, yeah. I don't have a start. What are you talking about? And this will go on for hours. It is great fun. My machine's hosed. I don't even have a start yeah. button anymore. I spent several <laughs> weeks off and on, um, uh, replying back and forth with this supposed, uh, woman from, I don't know, some African continent. I can't even remember where it was. And just, you know, every couple of days there would be an email back and forth and an explanation of why she, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a she, had been so long in replying. And, and you know, I, I you know, we'll, we'll need more of this. And I was like, well, okay, here, fine. I will just fly my private jet uh, down and I'll meet you at the airport and I'll pick you up in person. That way we don't have to do any of these bribes. Um, well, see, my aunt needs the money and I really wouldn't feel right about leaving. It was just, it was so much fun. <laughs> but you know, I'm also the guy who likes to go in and haggle with a with a car salesman when I'm not interested in buying a car. I find that fun too. <laughs> Waste his time, 
I, I'm a terrible person now that I'm admitting this, but go in there, waste his time, get him to 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 uh, cop to a good deal, go talk to his manager a few times, and then say, I think I'll think about it and leave when I was never actually interested. I figure they waste <laughs> enough of my time that I'm okay with that. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> Back to the rant. Uh, life in the context of Linux. Seth actually came up with that. Uh, slogan. It was just sort of offhand one day, and it was—it's the perfect description of the of the show because we're three guys who talk about our lives and the lives we like to live in the context of Linux. We're Linux guys, right? We like to use Linux. We like to uh, read Linux news, but it's uh, it's not something that we. This isn't the Linux show. We're not going to talk about kernel updates. We're not going to talk about what's new in 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 the print cap this week. We're just, but it's our it's our lives. The show is about us, but the context of the show is Linux. So life in the context of Linux. I don't care yeah. if it makes any grammatical sense. It's a good description for what we do. Yeah, there you and, go. I mean, I've listened to some of the podcasts that are just about Linux. And, oh, oh my gosh, they're so freaking boring. I wanted to they like, will... I wanted to ram a pencil and rupture my eardrums. They were just, ah, <laughs> oh, make it stop. And, uh, so. Oh, they're not that bad. Come on. Some of them are actually. Yeah. No, I mean, if I you're into that, that sort of thing, it's face. great. I'm sorry. I talked right over you, Chris. What was that? I was going to say, I can't even say those straight face because every time I listen to a couple of the, the Linux ones when I'm driving, I feel like I'm going to drive off the road because I want to fall asleep. Yeah, it's like so, and here's here's Billy Joe with the kernel update news section of the week. And wait, like, wait, well, wait, the, right. up- I, I have to come to the defense of these guys. What I say when people criti- criticize my show is, if you don't like it, go listen somewhere else. It's, I'm not mean about it. It's just okay. This show's not for you. So yep. you know, and we do. Uh, our friends at the Sunday Morning Linux Review do exactly that kind of show, um, and it's not for me. And, uh, you know, Tony, who asked me about it one time, he said, what do you think of the show? I said, yeah, Tony, it's not for me. Not into that. Uh, but that's fine. That's why there are thousands of podcasts. And so yep. if, if you're into that sort of thing, then that's, that may be your nirvana, your nerdvana. You're like, this is, this is what I want. This is perfect. I've been searching my whole life for this show. So if, if I don't want to downgrade these guys and, and talk bad about them because it may be the perfect niche for them and for their audience. And that's fine. Uh, if you're not into it, you don't have to insult them. Just move on. And I say the same thing about this show. All you people who like to drop bombs on me telling me how terrible the show is, if you're not into it, move on. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and feel I didn't free mean to make fun to... of us after you moved on, too. <laughs> yeah. There you totally, go. Totally, yeah. We'll, uh, you we'll know, and and I, don't mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful, so don't don't take it that way, everybody. But I just... There's some people in some news articles that are entertaining and, and worth the time to listen to, and then there are some people that just, yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to give them any more attention than they deserve, but I actually heard another podcast spend several minutes of their show ripping apart this podcast. Really? Yeah. And uh, fine. I'm okay with that, frankly. They're entitled to their opinion. Mostly their huh. opinion was about me. You know, I'm the lightning rod. I'm fine with that. Um, but, and, and it doesn't even bother me that they used riffing on my show to add content to their show. But I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, but, uh, it was, it wasn't necessary. And, and I hope that I've never been guilty of that. And I don't ever plan to be guilty of that. I'm not going to, to sit here behind this microphone and insult something I don't like just because I don't like it. I will tell you I don't like it. 
but that doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean it's not worth uh, being a thing. You know, like for example, Opie and Anthony made news recently. Their show uh, got canceled off of XM Satellite Radio. That was no loss to me because the one time I listened to the show, I didn't like it. I don't come on here and tell you how much I don't like it. It just is not my thing. I'm not into the whole guy radio thing. So anyway, I, I just wanted to get that. I, I felt that that somebody who might listen to this show and be an ardent listener of one of those kernel update of the week shows might feel that we're insulting you. We're not. It's just not our thing. Yeah. But Mark, I would be interested. I want to listen to the show where they made fun of us. So yeah, me too. No, I'm not going to tell you after no. show. No, after no, after no, show. Not online. No, I'm just... I'm not even. Not, I'm not going to tell you because there's no point in it. It's oh. I. I, I'm not going to mention it. They don't deserve the added download, and uh, and you don't deserve to have your ego be beaten that way. Um, uh, so no. No, I okay. wouldn't. So okay, I, I I shouldn't have even mentioned it. So uh, I'll move on to Cameron, who explains why Fraction Man isn't really a superhero. Hey guys, I've been listening to you a few months, and I wanted you to know that I really enjoy listening. Regarding the discussion awesome. about the person being able to outrun a bullet, I wanted to share this link with you, and it's a, I'll put it on the show notes, it's a Wolf Realm Alpha uh, about Zeno's paradoxes. It's in fact a result of a thing called Zeno's paradoxes, and modern calculus has a method for determining that, in fact, a bullet will reach you in an infinite, in a finite amount of time. Thanks for the great podcast, and keep it up. So like I said last week, um, yeah, uh, what did I say? Um, Physics beats Euclid every day. Well, apparently calculus trumps fractions. It's crazy. <laughs> so the <laughs> it was fun talking about Fraction Man, but apparently it's not really a thing. Um, That's too bad. I wouldn't mind to be Fraction Man. That'd be fun. Travis writes in and has a question about cluster computing. He says, for the dynamic trio. Dum, da, da, da. I added that. Hey, guys, I wanted to say that I'm almost caught up listening to all of your podcasts with about oh four to go. I'm I sorry. I <laughs> have a 45-minute drive to work and school, so I'm listening to you guys on quite a frequent basis. I use Podcast Republic in the Android store as it plugs into the Apple iTunes library somehow and allows me to listen slash download you guys and a few uh, house music podcasts that I also like very much. Of course, before I get to the meat of the email, I just need to say, Bacon! Now, to the meat yes. of the subject. I'm a noob to the Linux platform, and I've been using computers, albeit Windows mostly, of which I am fed up and playing with them since the Commodore 64. I plan on getting into the Linux Academy in, com uh, in the coming spring, uh, as most, no, I mean 130% of my current allotted time and effort is currently focused on finishing up my BSN, which uh, Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, I think that is. Nursing, um, yeah. For which I am scheduled to graduate this December. I currently work in Virginia. Yes. I currently work in Virginia for a fairly large healthcare organization as a psychiatric unit nursing assistant. So as you can imagine, I'm using computers and technology on a regular basis. On a side note, we no longer use straight jackets. And yes, I can Darn tell plenty it. of stories that most of my friends think I just made up, despite their factuality. <laughs> as always, I change the names and places to protect the innocent and stay HIPAA compliant. You had to put that in there so the, the feds didn't come to me and ask for his email. Anyway, enough of myself <laughs> ranting. I'm writing for a couple of reasons. Firstly, to say that I love your podcast and tell you guys to keep up the good work. Secondly, to see if it would be possible for you guys to talk about Linux and cluster computing. What software and setups work best? And if this could possibly be used in a home environment for combining a NAS backup media server, HTPC, uh, home theater PC, and in general, house mom's house 
wife budding photography business server setup rack mount job with all of the other stereo and video stuff I have. I'm considering making a Linux 8 to 10 blade setup with using mini ITX wow. boards and spec specs that allow it for the entire uh, uni to run on it without setting the house on fire. But I just want to know how versatile and useful a cluster is in the home environment. Okay, Mark, please mount your soapbox. By the way, that podcast had me laughing so hard I might have pulled a muscle in my rib cage. <laughs> so here's my experience, Travis, with cluster computing. The The only software that I'm fully aware of is uh, um, uh, Beowulf. Yep. Uh, and Beowulf is designed for cluster computing. I tried Beowulf. Again, my experience is dated. This is about 10 years ago. But I, I am the world's foremost expert on crashing a machine using Beowulf. Uh, in fact, once you uh, put all the uh, the the software, uh, excuse me, all the RAM and all the processors in parallel and start clustering, you can crash the whole system so fast, it's actually preternatural. The system will actually crash before you turn it on. It goes back in time. It's that fast. And will crash prior to you considering turning on the machines. It's pre-crashing. It's not pre-caching, it's pre-crashing. So that's my experience with Beowulf. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah, All and right, you well, can cluster even like Raspberry Pis, and uh, you can make a supercomputer using Raspberry Pis, but I don't really, do you need a cluster, or do you just need a network? Uh, I mean, looking over well, if your you things. Well, if you want to be able to handle one process off to another one, uh, uh, another server, if you want one process running across all your hardware, a cluster in, a, uh, in, in infrastructure is the only way to go. So it sounds like he wants one OS on all these disparate devices. Well, I could say my experience with BioWolf mirrors Mark's, but it's a little bit newer than his experience. Mine was five years ago. We We thought we'd set up a whole cluster of them here at the school to see if we could actually get it to work and we actually had it it boot once <laughs> it, and i mean that in a a very short-lived meaning um it turned on the system did its boot system like it's supposed to it did drop to a terminal and then two of the machines burned up so <laughs> well well my my experience was a little bit Newer than Mark's, it was probably a little more um, effective because we actually had the magic smoke leaving two of the machines. So, see that um, really leveraged the power of the processors <laughs> in a great way. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great fun until the smoke yeah. started showing up. Once you um, let the magic smoke out of a resistor, though, it never works again. Oh, exactly. So we we gave up on that pretty quick, but uh, it's at least a fun thing to play with. Um, I don't know. From what you're describing, it sounds like you want to do more like a maybe a virtualizing system. Yeah. You know, it have a buy a big rig with a, a virtualized client and then have mini servers running in each one. I think that would probably be a better choice than a Beowulf cluster. Yeah. I, if, if you want to play around with a cluster just to play around with it, great. But you probably don't actually need one. Yeah, a lot of the new machines, you know, like if you get a good machine with a Core i7 uh and a good virtualizing hard, you know, software set, you can do a lot of work with just that little layout. So, uh if you cl- if you do go Beowulf cluster, let us know. I'm curious to find out if you end up with such a catastrophe as I did. So, your results were better than mine? <laughs> I would say a little more um, 
eruptionist. You you got to you got to a prompt. I never got that far. I did. I did get to a prompt, but then shortly after the prompt showed up on the yeah. screen, it was uh, meltdown time. So I was working, you know, I worked in schools for a long time. I was in a lab scenario. I had 25 machines one lazy summer afternoon, and I thought, I'm going to build a cluster with 25 Core 2 Duos. Won't this be amazing? And I, you know, I, I actually now have the capacity to go back in time and crash Skynet if I need to. I can just load Beowulf on it, and it won't be a problem. There you go. Okay. Moving on. Brian weighs in on the OS 10X. Uh, he says, Mark, Seth, and Chris, some comments on the show. Number one, there are people who think that we should call the Mac OS OS 10 and not OS X. The problem is that you have to know that the X is a Roman numeral and not a letter X. Since the letter X is often used in software names, it's not obvious whether it's a letter or a number. What was the name of that Unix, Linux, windowing system that may be replaced by Wayland or Mir? Is it X.org or 10.org? How about the Windows software called Active 10? No, sorry, that's Active X. If you've worked with computers and you see X, you don't automatically think 10. When I see the name OS X, I think X and not 10. Maybe in a few years, Microsoft will release the successor to Windows 9 and call it Windows X. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be. Ma- ma- wait till he hears our <laughs> GIF GIF show. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love he did this. So Roman numeral one, the next one is B. Here's no, a no, personal- no. Arabic numeral one. <laughs> oh, yes. That that Arabic like- numeral, yes. The, the B, here's a personal question. How do three guys living in Texas, Atlanta, and in Montana know each other? Well, Seth and I uh, have known each other for 20 uh, years. Uh, we went to college together. We actually knew each other. We competed in the same UIL circles in high school. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm only recently in Atlanta, two years. I just passed my two-year mark. So I'm a Texas boy living in Atlanta. Chris, we met through our other podcast, our, my first podcast, uh, <laughs> the uh, Tightwad Tech. He was a listener contributor there. Uh, we uh, called Heckler. him up one day and asked if he wanted to do a Linux show. We did the show there called Everyday Linux. That was the episode, and then it became uh, a show on the network. So that's how we all met. Chris and I have never shared the same oxygen in a room. Nope, uh, or not state, yet. really, have you? Yeah, we've never been in the same state. That's right. We've never shared the same atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> in the, uh, We've only met via Skype, but I still consider him one of my best friends. That That's the beauty of modern technology. You don't actually have to meet somebody to, to know them. Yeah, that's right. And well, the funniest thing is, is when people ask me how I knew, you know, met you guys, is I tell them that I think they gave me a show to shut me up because I was the, probably one of their biggest hecklers. Yes, he was always <laughs> during- in the chat room, and it was like, dude, you want to just come on? Really? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to break the show yeah. when you guys first started. So we had Arabic number one, B, and now Roman numeral three, a note on show length. I've been listening to the podcast for a year or two and thoroughly enjoy it, and I'm perfectly happy to have it run for two hours each week. However, I do see a drawback to the show being this long. There are a couple of other Linux podcasts I've decided not to listen to, even once, because of the show length. I now have more podcasts than I enjoy than I'm able to listen to, and when I hear one that sounds interesting but discover it's two hours long, I probably won't even try it. I don't know what to call this. It's not a suggestion or a recommendation or anything else about the show length. Maybe just this one thing out of many things to consider about how long the show could be. Best wishes, Brian. And as I've mentioned Oops. in the recent past, I've just given up on that. Um, you know, I, it is, it's going to be what it is. And if somebody chooses not to listen to us, that that's not a lost listener because we never had them. But yep. if, if you hear 
lots of people talking about how awesome the show is, you're going to make two hours. So the, the, if you like it, Brian, that much, it's on you to tell everybody. I, I'm here by pseudo, I'm commanding you to go and tell people about it because they can see all the, 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 you know, upvotes or whatever. They can see uh, the show in, in the iTunes catalog or on Stitcher or whatever. But until somebody they know tells them how good it is, they're not going to care. So it's up to you to tell the people you know. There you go. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, I think it's funny, though, in a lot since we started this show, that we were having a hard time finding 30 minutes Oh yeah, yeah. for show length. And now we're trying to cut it before two hours. Um it's just interesting to know or to see that that change of time. Uh, I would be almost willing to say a giant thank you if someone would actually plot that to see what the line is for how when did our show length decide to go, you know, critical mass and at the length that we are now. Uh, Jim Beeson says, "What's the record length of the show?" I think actually this episode may hit that. But I think <laughs> right now it's two o five. In fact, I you know I have actually had to download the uh, downgrade the excuse me quality of the mp3 i put out from 128 uh kilobits to 96 because it was getting so big i couldn't store that file on my server uh my hosting provider wouldn't let me upload something that big uh plus you know when you reach 110 megabits i mean megabytes now you're starting to take space on people's phones so i did i dialed it down a little bit i'm sure most of you didn't notice that but i did uh uh, a while back once we started hitting uh an hour and a half an hour 45 minutes regularly um but think of what we've added to the show in that amount of time the whole news section which now takes about an hour we didn't used to have at all yeah the listener feedback section we didn't have listeners so we didn't have that there so it was really us vamping uh, the the whole warm up part of the show was trying to pad the show to get to half hour forty five minutes, um, and we just didn't have that much to talk about. So and, and I'm fine with it. I, I struggled with it for a long time, but I've, I've made my peace with it. I've discovered my inner zen. And if the show goes two hours and seventy five minutes, astute people out there will know you can't do that. Then um, then fine. I'm just gonna go with it. But I do like the buffer overflow. We did our first one last week for our uh, Patreon, elementop.com slash Patreon uh, subscribers. Uh, and, I, and we will continue to do that to give you the bonus comment. Uh, Ray comes in with two emails uh, about Black Lab Linux. Linux. I've combined them here uh, together. He says, hi, guys. I've been meaning to send you an email about how much I enjoy the podcast. I've been using Linux on a somewhat regular basis for about five years. Two quick comments. I completely agree that we do need to support what we use. I stepped up and purchased a USB key from Black Lab Linux. Excellent distro and to me was worth paying for. Everything works crazy fast uh, and ease of use for even the novice should be no problem. I hope this doesn't sound petty, but I received a key in an envelope and that's it. No correspondence from Black Lab. Nothing. Not even a thanks for your support or any questions. Email us. Zero, nada, nothing. Next quick comment. I don't know what episode it was, but the one with Door on it, the show was outstanding. Obviously, Door added great content, but the whole podcast just seemed to flow with the perfection, and you guys should be commended for your hard work. Keep up the great work. And then he followed up shortly thereafter. I guess he got to thinking about what he sent. He said, hi, guys. I felt the need to send a follow-up email to the early one. I mentioned in a previous email that I purchased Black Lab Linux. I hope it didn't sound too petty when I complained that there was no correspondence included with the USB stick. I'm not the one that needs to be patted on the back when doing the right thing. I was just very surprised that not even a generic form letter was included. 
I was so impressed with the representative from Black Lab that I just found it odd. Enough about that. You guys discussed being poor and working hard toward goals. Mark, you are to be commended. Give a man a fish, he'll eat today. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Social services do not work. Handouts do not motivate, obviously, unless it's for the children. Thanks again, Ray. Black Lab Linux rocks. Um, I don't like fishing, Ray, uh, but I get the metaphor. Definitely. So uh, I do think that Black Lab Linux may be missing a PR step there. And, Ray, I would recommend that you write to them and express your concerns and say, look, you know, I, I bought this thing. I think that you would present your image better if you packaged it a little better, included a letter, included links to the, the support that I'm now entitled to because I purchased it. I think that's a very reasonable um, uh, complaint isn't the word, Re- reasonable constructive criticism. And yeah. I think you should send that on to the Black Lab Linux folks. I think so too. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, you know, I think Mark is right. I think you should send something to them. If nothing else is a, for the creative, um, the creative criticism, because, uh, with, you know, like if I were to buy a copy of Black Lab and I didn't get anything other than the USB key, let's say I was sending that to my, my grandma or my mom with, you know, that's, that's whose address I put on it. Now she has a USB key with no instructions even how to install it. Um, I, I think that's a, not just mi- a missed PR, but a missed, um, oh, what, what would that be? Uh, help, you know, just a help guide on how to set something up. Yeah, most Linux guys are going to be like, oh, USB key, boop, and away we go. But if you're, you know, if you're tech support guy for mom and mom lives in a different state, you need her to at least be able to start it. And so they need to have something and just a blank envelope with a USB key in it isn't a good representation of how excellent that distro is. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, uh, Ray, we've talked many times about how can you contribute and uh, Robert, he's more, he's one of those kernel level developer people. And it probably never occurred to him to do something like that. So if you wanted to get involved even more, maybe you could send him a sample email or like, you know, just kind of an outline and maybe you could kind of get involved as a, like a PR person with that distro because I'm sure it never occurred to him that, Hey, you know, because I mean, their goal is enterprise, uh, people or education. So if your goal is the enterprise, you wouldn't expect the IT department of some company to need to know the steps on how to do it. You wouldn't expect the IT department for a school district to need to know the steps of how to boot off a USB. But, you know, if they want to branch out and go to the um, end user market, then having something like that included or, you know, a link Hey, you know, if you're new to Linux, check out this URL or something. And so it might be a way for you to get even more involved with that distro. Yeah, maybe type up a sample form letter that you would like to have gotten. Send it off to them. Because, you know, we did talk about the benefits of purchasing a USB key. And I do think it's reasonable to expect some enumeration of what those benefits are when you get the key. Yeah. Yeah, I reasonable complaint you sent it to the wrong people (laughs) but thanks for being a listener and thanks for your feedback yeah 
Uh, Andrew writes in to ask about video cards. He says, hi, firstly, thanks for doing the show. It's a great listen to uh, some lighthearted Linux-ish conversation while while commuting. I was just wondering if you've ever had any issues with connecting your beloved media PCs to your TVs. I recently bought a new computer and wanted to use the old one as a media box connected to the TV. Unfortunately, the old 8800 GTS doesn't want to talk through the DVI HDMI cable to the TV uh, Windows won't talk to it at all, and it won't give me anything other than 800 by 600 with a 720 TV. You all seem to have media boxes and servers and players. Do you have any advice? Andrew, P.S. X.org.conf is terrible. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Um, Hopefully the new one, the new uh, display manager will be a little better than xorg.conf. DVI to HDMI. DVI isn't... Um, no, it's digital. It's right, still a digital, but form. it's not. It's not compatible with HDMI, which is why you have to have the adapter. Yep. So uh, there's so many things at play there. It could be the adapter itself. It could be the card, or it could just be that the two weren't meant to speak. Uh, and 800 by 600 is as good as you're going to get. So. My my only suggestion is get a different video card, one that supports HDMI natively, because DVI, um, it's not HDMI for a reason. It's not the same yep. thing. Yeah, the- here is here's something people don't think about ever, but I'm finding is a big deal. Is the BIOS on your computer up to date? Uh, you know, granted, I mm-hmm. work in a Windows world at work, and I've seen software that wouldn't even load just because the BIOS on the machine was so old. And, you know, and so that stuff that comes pre-Windows, I updated that, and all of a sudden, you would have think I swapped it out for a supercomputer, the speed difference. So see what level BIOS your computer is currently on, and then see what's available, and maybe update that, and see if that fixes any issues. Because, you know, I'm just surprised at how many issues that fixes. You know, the other thing that he could look into is he didn't say if he's using the proprietary drivers or if he even, um, because it, it is an old um, 8800, if he's using the proprietary drivers, it may be an issue with the proprietary drivers. He may be able to bounce back down to the free drivers for that 8800 and have things magically work better. Um, but he, I would definitely say if you can find a new video card that will fit your the if it's, I don't remember what, if what slot that 8800 uses, but if you can find a card that would fit that, like Mark said, has HDMI natively, you might have better luck. Um, what was the thing I had? I know a long, not too long ago, one, one of my laptops, I had to connect the cable in a different order than I was used to in order to get it to actually recognize that it was connected to something. So that might be something he needs to look at too. That maybe if he's got it pre connected before boot, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe he might need to boot up the machine and then plug it in and see if that changes the the detection time. And also working perfectly, DVI is never gonna give you audio. Uh so you gotta have a separate right. audio source and, and the real magic of HDMI is with the pass through of the audio and video. So you know, I'm not one to throw money away, but I would say in this case, it's worth the investment. Or scrap the whole thing and get a pie for less than it would cost you to buy a video card. Or a Roku. It, yeah, or a Roku. 
or, you know, any one of a, a Plex box or, you know, any of those things. I don't know. The Plex makes a box. Get on that Plex. <laughs> make a box. Um, I, I think in this situation, the fun of making the, the old machine into a home theater PC may be what you're after. But you're probably going to spend more money and effort doing it than just buying a replacement. Like, for example, my uh, um, Boris Box laptop. I spent more buying the network card I needed to make it work than I would have on a whole new router. Uh, but it was for the fun of the project. So I get where you're coming from. But in this case, I think you're not going to get from point A to point B with your current hardware. What he could do, though, is if you wanted to reuse that machine, is stuff it full of hard drives and use it as a file server. As a NAS, yeah. Yep. And then he could use Plex and Roku to read it. Yep. That would be, if he wants to reuse it, That and then the video card doesn't come into play then. It's just on the network, and you use another device to attach to it. Yeah, get a Pi or a Plex or a Roku stick that plugs into your TV. Put Plex or a Chromecast. On, yeah, or a Chromecast. Yep. Put Plex on the box and let it do the grinding. I think that's good advice. All right, and our last one of the week, week, I've been sitting on for a little while. It didn't really fit anywhere. It's a little deep. Um, you might need to be high to understand it. I'm not sure. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just going to let it go. Benjamin, uh, who uh, is in our chat room uh, in forums as Wizace, uh, writes this. It says, hi, Mark. As a listener to all of your shows, I'd like to tell you that your last e- – oh, by the way, he's from Germany. So if you're picking uh, – up on his incomplete English, I guarantee it's better than your German. Uh, it says, as a listener to all of your shows, I'd like to tell you that your last EDL show, number 144, so I've been sitting on it a while, made me think. I often thought about your opinion of Richard Stallman and the concept of free software versus money-driven progression. Lately, I think about money like an option for every product or service. At least every material product has a date of expiration and loses its value by date. Services do expire as well. Money as a representation of those things must expire as well, respectively lose value by the factor of the mean expiration of things, maybe with a necessity factor. So, Everyone has to choose whether to invest his money now and turn it into something real or save it and do that later. The choice to save means risking losing it. Uh, in a worst-case scenario, one may have saved lots of money until the day that everything is too polluted to grow fruits or other goods and people are dead or too weak to do a service. Inflation will grow faster and faster until this scenario will become a reality. The amount of money spread around the globe is higher than the yearly global economic performance. The reason why this isn't resulting in a big inflation is our trust that we'll be able to offer the products and services that uh, for that money in the future. In segments like the American house market, we could see that effect when this trust is not held up anymore. So in the end, money is one thing. The other thing is that it needs people who are actually doing a service or building a product to become the value it represents. As soon as this has no more money... Uh, soon as this is no more money has no more value so real the real value is not in money itself but the the work people do and the thoughts and products they create i think that huge amounts of money around the world with their stakeholders pressurize people in an increasing way to become more and more productive this is connected to the inflationary amount of money uh, and the decreasing trust there'll be enough capital capital in the world and in people's minds to get to an equivalent for the value people associate with their number on their bank account. This creates forced and fast productivity, connecting with a frightening amount of short-term thinking. 
So mistrust leads to fear, leads to short-term thinking, leads to pressure, leads to pollution and irrational choices, which make, uh, may take away our basis of the existence faster than it has to be. However, I guess Richard Stallman would agree that we don't need money in human relationships. What counts is the will of humans to help each other and to interact. For that, I believe and hope that we need no external pressure. You yourself are telling uh, that you feel an intrinsic motivation to be a servant for your listeners. By the way, by that, you create value. Money never creates a value. It's just an instrument to pressurize people and make them do things they don't want to do. I believe and I wish that there will be a day when there that we are able to stop that. I hope humanity will come smart enough to listen to arguments more than to pressure and true democracy will, will rise from that. This may be include this may include that everybody has to take turns for doing jobs which are not so much fun to do maybe. Well, I think that well that's what I think. Thank you for your friends. Uh, thank you and your friends for entertaining selves. Uh it could never be that entertaining, so it's a pleasure to be uh pleasure and a great value for me to listen to you. In return, my thoughts and appreciation, which I hope is some value to you. By the way, what's Sean Keibel doing? We did the last Tightwad Tech show together, as you may remember. It was so much fun, but since then, I'm afraid I could have a have I could have been a reason that the show ended. I hope not. But as I said, I have a hard time being entertaining. However, I really enjoy it if you and Sean, uh, if you would invite Sean to do some of your EDL shows, and it would be great to hear from him. So, greetings to you and your crew. Best wishes, Benjamin. Uh, so yeah, he was the last ever guest on the Tightwad Tech Show. No, Ben, uh, Benjamin, you are not the reason that uh, that we uh, stopped doing it. And the reason that Sean hasn't been on this show is the same reason we stopped doing that show. He's just too dang busy uh, doing other stuff. As for your thoughts about money and what it means in world markets, not sure I agree with everything you say, but I'm not sure I'm smart enough to argue with you either. <laughs> I would agree with all of that comment, Mark. Um, <laughs> it was really well thought out, though. I was really impressed with some of it because it was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I had so. to put my thinking hat on to uh, <laughs> to try to wrap around that comment. And even then, I don't know if that helped a lot. No, but he's right that money is money is has no value in itself. Uh, and that has been the case for a long time. There was a while that there there were durable goods, right? We traded gold and silver and oxes mm-hmm. and pigs, and that's those things had real value. Once we moved to paper, you know that paper represented a certain amount of gold, for example. Uh, and so, in a sense, the paper represented a real thing. But that hasn't been the case in forty years. Money represents a belief that the bank is going to be there when you go to cash the check. That's that's really all money represents. And so he's seeing a day when that's going to go away and wondering how we're going to measure value then. And it's going to be, hopefully, the the willingness to do some good and to exchange my good for your good. Uh, yeah. Interesting thoughts. Back to the barter system. Yeah. Um, I, I, I suck at bartering. I suck at business. Um, which is why I work for a company who gives me a paycheck. Because if it was if it were on me to set prices, I would never charge people enough, and I would go hungry. Yeah, I, I suck at bartering, but I love doing it. So <laughs> I would probably lose my shirt and enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Jim in the well, chat but- room says, "I now need Advil." I was going to say, Seth, but if you did enjoy it, you had you know that's part of the service. Maybe yeah. that was. You know, so even if you did lose your shirt, you still had enjoyment and intrinsic value. So, yeah, you'd still be ahead in, in your book. But, you know, I think Stallman has, he's, he's sort of a wild-eyed hippie, uh, and he wants to see all 
currency exchanges, you know, go away. I don't know if he's ever said that, but his, uh, we, one could intimate from what he has said that he believes that whether he's actually said it or not. And he's, you know, he, he doesn't want to pay for things with money. He wants to pay for them in other ways. Um, and, and so this, this all came about from the show where I said, you know, I called myself a jerk for not paying for anything. Uh, And so that got into thinking about, well, what are we paying? What is money? Um, yeah. And it's certainly a great discussion to have. I know that there's reams of books that have been written about it, um, and different people believe different things. And the increasingly popular belief is that the 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 fiction that we've created around currency is going to crumble sooner than later. And that's that's what Bitcoin is all about. People yep. trying to protect themselves from that. Now, speaking of Bitcoin, have any any of you guys bought into Bitcoin? Not a, not at all. Nope. Not at all? You? I've been wanting to, but when I originally was going to buy into it, I was like, oh, this is a passing fad, and I would have been able to buy, you know, probably five or 50 or 60 Bitcoins for a couple, for a hundred dollars. And I look at the prices now that are out there, and it's like, man, why didn't I try? When I why first didn't? Heard, when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was roughly uh, a U- one US dollar to one Bitcoin. And I thought, yep. 50 bucks, I'll buy 50 Bitcoin and hang on to them and see what happens. You know, alternately, that would have been worth tens of thousands and worth less, uh, worthless. Uh, but uh, I did not do that. And now the buy-in is such. And that's the way the currency is designed. It's designed to be an infinitely fractional uh, uh, currency so that you can yep. spend one one-thousandth of a Bitcoin, uh, a nanobit, or, you know, we'll come up with some word for it like that. Um I am not convinced it's going to last more than a few years. I think that the the pressures that Benjamin talks about will will crush it, and that it will it will be around. It, you know, Bitcoin is going once something is out of the bo- bottle, it's always there, so it's always going to be around. But I don't think you'll be able to go to a website and pay for things with Bitcoin. Uh, you know, I mean, there are some places where you can do that now. I think that is going to it's it's a niche now, and it's going to only diminish. That's my prediction. It'll be interesting. I know I'll be watching it and cussing every yeah. time I see that line go up higher and higher. And I think what's going to happen is not going to be a collapse in the currency, but a technical glitch. Somebody's going to figure out how to game the system and render Bitcoin useless. You know, like uh, in the old american west there was these things called wampum they were beads made out of of oyster shells and that's what indians used for money so much so that it's become a a pejorative you know to talk about it well somebody created an automated wampum maker and made them made that currency worthless and i expect somebody's going to figure out how to how to you can't really game bitcoin it's built really well but somebody's going to hack the system in such a way that it will all the trust in it will go away yeah, which is well, that's what almost happened when Mount right. Gox went down. So, um, it'll be interesting to see when it happens or if it happens. But I know I kind of wish I would have bought those, you know, hundred bitcoins when I had the chance back when they were worth something. Because I was this close to buying it, I, I had the money in hand already on my my one use credit card that I was going to use, and I just didn't do it. Hmm. I had the oh, opportunity well. to buy Dunkin' Donuts when they were still a local company before the IPO to buy stock in it, and I didn't. And, yep. And that was stupid. <laughs> As my dad always told me, and my grandfather did too, hindsight is always twenty twenty. 
And and when I say I, I was actually too young. It was my family had that opportunity and didn't. So, you know, I could be a bazillionaire. In fact, I own oil fields in Texas right now. I'm just waiting for the cost of oil to go up enough that make me a millionaire. And then I'm off of this. I'm not working for you, actually. No, then I'll actually be able to do this because I won't have to work anywhere else. Yeah, there you go. It was, uh, anyway, it's a, it's a story. This Basically, this company said, we're going to pay you a bazillion dollars to drill on your land. All you have to do is let us do it. And we were like, heck yeah. And then the oil crash came in the late 70s, early 80s, and, and it went away. And nobody's made that offer since. Hmm. I'm surprised with how heavy oil has been running. Yeah, it's still. Um, I know up here, you know, the price of oil still doesn't outweigh the price of unions. Yeah, well, like I said, up here, the price of oil in people's lands are getting. You know, it's it's getting crazy. What people get, you know, they spend on on land up here. Um, just not in the right area, I guess, Mark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all the listener feedback we have. I just didn't think we'd, anybody would be able to follow Benjamin. So let's, uh, this, I'll tell you how you can be a part of our next listener feedback show. And that's by going to elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. Send us a, um, uh, a well-formatted, nicely little uh, uh, web form comment there. Uh, if you want to skip that whole mechanism and s- email us directly, you can do that, edl at elementop.com. If you want your voice on the air, you can dial 559-IMOP anywhere in North America, and Google Voice will let you leave a, a, a message for free. If you're outside of North America, just record a file in a, you know an MP3 or an OGG or a Fiora or whatever, um, send it over to me and that will count. Uh, and, uh, we are all, there's always the forums there. We, uh, have, I, as I said, I was going to, I created a new, um, urban legends forum. There's been some activity over there. Go check it out. That's, that's where the community lives. Everybody, we meet together every week around this show, but the community actually lives over in the forum. So go check those out over at elementop.com. Guys, what is our dev slash random for the week? It looks like Seth's got a good one. Well, um, I came across this one and, uh, geotastic.org slash rude. And these are basically, um, places with, uh, cheeky names. <laughs> For example, there's a place called Tampon Reunion you can go to. Um, in Russia, you can go visit Vi- <laughs> Vagina. Uh, in New Zealand, Shag Point. Uh, just places like that. Um, wet there's a Creek in Arizona. There's a hell somewhere. I don't know if it's on the map, but uh, I have a friend of mine who's got a, a, uh, sign where he, he was on the highway to hell. That's cool. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bald that's, Knob, that's, Arkansas. That's crazy. And what's funny is I see a lot of the, the rude names are all based in either, you know, the United States or over in Europe. <laughs> there's no. not as many anywhere else. Long Dong Avenue in Shanghai, China. <laughs> well, that's um, only that's only bad because we see it that way. I'm sure that with their last name yeah. or their surnames, they don't see it that way. This is such middle school uh, humor fun. It um, is. I, it's fun, and that's why I put it on there. Yes. I think it's cool that you can zoom in on the map and actually see the locations of everything. Delicate knobby cramp camping ground in Crescent Head, New South Wales. <laughs> Spain has both piss and poo. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I 
you all that's why we put you at the end seth because there's no way to follow anything you have to say there so i will simply say that ends this episode of everything next